Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about First Baptist Church of Silva, please visit firstbaptistsilva.com. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The devil's courthouse up on the Blue Ridge Parkway. A cave while a thunderstorm rages in the forest above. The memory of your grandmother's embrace when you were scared. This is what God's refuge feels like. The towering castle fortress at Neuschweinstein in Bavaria. The fort of blankets that you made to escape your big brother. A cabin tucked back in a protective holler of the Great Smokies National Park. Cuddling with your family underneath a blanket on the couch during a winter storm. A sturdy tent when you're camping. This is what God's refuge feels like. The seat belt and airbag that saved your friend in that accident. The towering village perched on a tidal island called Mont Saint-Michel in France. The faithful follower who builds her life on Jesus' teachings the tornado shelter in your basement, the canopy of trees that arch over you like a 15th century cathedral. This is what God's refuge feels like. God is our refuge and our strength. Psalm 91 is an ancient and faithful prayer given and lifted up by a people who were committed to God as their God. So, when we look more closely at this passage, we find some common ways that God's people used to talk about God's protection. You see it here. God's presence as fortress, as a stronghold, a dwelling place. A shelter. You see these images throughout all of the scriptures, and it dovetails nicely into this motif that we've been coming back to this year of church as a base camp kind of experience. That is, a place of sanctuary off the mountain, a place that you can escape to when you feel as though your foot might fall that you might trip, and you might be assaulted by a storm, a base camp experience in God's embrace, in God's church, is what can help us feel not only God's strength, but to be restored. Suffice it to say, Israel was a dangerous place. 
So it doesn't surprise us at all that God's people would lift up how God is that which protects them from all of the things that could harm them. So the heart of the psalm, verses 3 through 13, if you're looking at it closely, it's a description of God's protection from many dangers. It's poetic and serves as an antidote for our spiritual anxieties. And in full disclosure, y'all, I had to look up some of these words. Adder, pestilence, scourge, buckler. <laughs> it's not intended to be literal, y'all. God's refuge and strength is expressed as being in God's shadow, as a castle fortress, as one who will rescue us from the hunter's snare. God is like a protective eagle's wing as a vaccination to a terrible disease. Look it up, y'all. What do you think pestilence means? It's mentioned twice in Psalm 91. God's presence is like a warrior's shield. And y'all, isn't it true how, that this is how we pray? This is how we pray at our very best and most faithful and most desperate. We lift up what it feels like to be in this world. We pray best with images and descriptions about how life feels, about striking out at the plate, about falling off the trail, about hanging onto a cliff. This is the best language for us as we are invited to be honest and transparent with God. All you have to do is look at the faithfulness of those who pray these psalms. These psalms are raw. They are honest. They are full of praise and thanksgiving and yes, even and especially curses upon their enemies. There's hyperbole and exaggeration to maximize the psalmist's point. And speaking of making the psalmist's point, we can learn something about God, about God's people, by looking more closely at these prayers. Here's a good example. In the heart of this prayer, it states God's strength is like being able to walk on a lion and on a poisonous snake. So does this mean that we should take these passages literally? I mean, when we read scripture, what are we to take as allegory, metaphor, to enrich our faith language, and what are we to take literally, right? Well, you decide. In 2006, at a zoo, a Ukrainian man let himself down into an exhibit where he faced down four lions. A crowd assembled to see what would happen next, lowering himself down, taking off his shoes and approaching the lions. He stated, God will save me. 
just before a lion approached him and severed his carotid artery. Y'all, do you want to prove that God is powerful, is our refuge and our strength? We use the brain that, that God has given us. When we read scripture, there are moments where it is hard to know what is prescriptive and what is descriptive, right? I bet you've heard these words before. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Have you heard this before? Fun fact, this passage has been used throughout the ages to justify the existence of guardian angels. Makes for a good plot to a made-for-TV movie, doesn't it? A long-lost loved one, perhaps, that comes back and, and guards us from harm. Is that what God is suggesting here? Is that the role that God provides to send us our individual guardians? Well, I'll let y'all decide. But to me, it seems a bit like the angel may be getting a little bit too much attention. But the reason why you've heard this particular passage from Psalm 91 is because it shows up in the New Testament. Then the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem, placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for him. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Y'all, we read scripture through our understanding of Jesus Christ. That's how we determine what is descriptive, what's prescriptive, how to pray. We read and interpret scripture. We read and interpret life and the world around us through the eyes of Jesus In this passage here, Satan is trying to tempt Jesus into putting himself into harm's way so that God will rescue him like some protective genie. And Jesus isn't buying it. And neither should we. We shouldn't put ourselves in harm's way to force God's hand The godly do not have to test God's care. Like Jesus' encounter with Satan, we see that those who trust God can trust God's response. The psalmist says it best, those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. Here's what we need to know. 
God provides his care for us in real, concrete ways as gifts of mercy to us. I know you've heard this story before, but it goes well right here. A man was looking out his window as the floodwaters rose. There was a knock on his door, and he goes to the door, and he sees his neighbor there. He's got an umbrella. He's got his galoshes on. He says, the waters are rising. The truck is running. Come with us. We're going to higher ground. But Joe said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. God will protect me. God is my refuge. God's got this. And the neighbor waved and left. Well, sure enough, the waters continued to, to rise, entering his house and chasing Joe up to the second floor as he looked out the window at the water as it began to creep higher in the town he heard a knock at the window behind him. He turns around. There's a man in a boat. He opens up the window. The man says, we are here to rescue you. Get in the boat. Joe says, no, 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 you don't understand. God is my protection. God will take care of me. I don't need your help. Man in the boat waves and goes away. Well, the water continues to rise, chasing Joe to his rooftop, and he's holding on to the chimney. He hears behind him a helicopter. The helicopter draws close. It lets down a rope. There's someone in a bullhorn and says, we are here to protect you, sir. Grab hold of the rope. We'll pull you to safety. But with one arm, Joe waves him away and says, no, no, God is my protection. God will provide for me. I don't need your help. A gust of wind and the helicopter departs. Joe dies. And then he, as he walks through the pearly gates, God does a double take and turns around and says, Joe? And Joe marches up to God and says, I professed that you were my refuge and my strength, that you would protect me. And you let me down, God. You were not there for me when I needed you. And God says to Joe, are you kidding me? I sent you a neighbor, a boat, and a helicopter, Joe. What in the world are you doing here? God is our refuge and our strength. We can trust God. God provides for us in real and tangible ways. That is, if we have eyes to see it. It's important that we recognize all that God does for us and how God is at work in our world because if we can't see the extraordinary and dynamic ways that God is our refuge and strength, then how in the world are we going to be refuge and strength for others? 
Let us pray. God, give us eyes and ears to hear and to see all that you're doing around us because the record shows that you provide for us. You care for us. God, when we put our full faith and trust in you, it means that we use our minds, that we are critical thinkers that ask good questions, that we see, God, how Christ Jesus encountered the world around him, asking good questions, encountering others, demonstrating what a life of faith looks like. God, help us to be good students of your word, faithful and honest in our prayers. But above all, especially this moment, God, help us to see the kind of refuge and strength you are to us so that we know how to be the kind of refuge and strength you want us to be for others. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen.